Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. This is your host, Dave Lewis, and here is where we talk about the methods and technologies for driving growth. And today we're going to talk about video and a little bit about audio content. Some of you are tuning in to the podcast on Demand Gen Radio, and some of you hopefully have found your way over to demandgen.tv and you're watching this on YouTube. And I highly encourage you to watch the YouTube version of this rather than just be on the podcast because we're gonna show you some stuff around video production uh, and I want you guys to see that, all right? Today on the program, I am joined by Emily Navarro. Now, you may not know Emily, uh, but I know Emily very, very well and I wanna just jump right in Please welcome Emily Navarro. How are you? Hi, I'm great. I'm so excited to be here and talk to you. I am excited to have you. Uh, let me just tell you guys on a very personal level, Emily Navarro is my oldest daughter's college roommate. So we have known each other for a long time. When she first started college, she was that girl that when you know mom and dad went and, and brought Emily to college and got her all situated in her dorm, we get to meet a lovely person that you're seeing right there, Emily Navarro. And, you know, the rest is history, but let me tell you a little bit about her history. So she left college and, and we have been doing some career coaching and mentoring over the years. And Emily is now with Access Hollywood. She's an associate producer there. And we got together in, in Tahoe, what was it about? Two months ago, I think. Yeah. Maybe a little longer. And we said, hey, let's have you on the podcast, have you on our YouTube channel and talk about video production. And, you know, uh, you can probably tell uh, Emily's a little younger than me, but <laughs> way more accomplished because sitting right off of her left shoulder is an Emmy. She won an Emmy award for some production work she did back in the day uh, on the the fires up here in, in Northern California, I believe, or was it Southern California? It was a boat fire off Santa Barbara County. Oh, uh, the big boat fire. Yeah, the Conception boat fire. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. Emmy wins an Emmy. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, kind of best with that when they named me. I love that for us. <laughs> Very nice. No, I mean, that's amazing to be so early in your career and winning an Emmy Award yeah. for your production work. So no better than her today. Let's talk about video production. Here we are doing it. So let's dive in. You probably don't know these topics, but one of the <laughs> things we talk about here on Demand Gen Radio is around our D3 methodology. And that is the methodology that we teach B2B marketers um, how to generate maximum revenue. And each of the Ds, D1 and D2 and D3, is for demand creation, demand management, and demand expansion. And creating content falls across all of that, but primarily in demand creation, generating net new people who are aware or interested in your products and services, and demand expansion, which is content for your customers, creating content for your customers to maximize the value of their relationship with your customers. So in context to what we talk about every day in B2B marketing, the reason that I wanted to have you on the program is really to talk about your workflow, because I believe, love to get your perspective, that video content is far more important these days than written forms of, of content. What are your thoughts? 100%. I think we are just consuming in general content way more than we used to back in the day. I mean, everything's so accessible now, our phones, our iPads, our computers, everything's a smart device and therefore anything can really show you video. Even refrigerators these days have some sort of smart tech. So I think 
it's important that people now these days are not always reading. They're not always listening. They really like a visual. And I think having video, some sort of a video component really kind of like emphasizes the importance of what you're teaching them or what you're showing them. Um, and then you can, you know, always amp it up by just talking like in front of the camera works perfectly fine. Or sometimes you can throw in a graphic to kind of make that point stick out a little bit more. But I think it's not as hard as it looks. I think a lot of people think like, making a video is so much work. It's so hard. And I think at the beginning, especially if you've never done it before, it's really intimidating and it can take some time to kind of get used to editing, but it doesn't have to be a super complex movie. No one's winning. A, like you don't have to win an award. It's like fine if you just do basic and then keep adding and adding and making a little bit more fun or different as you get better at editing. But really it could be as simple as you at first, like putting your iPhone and taking a video and making some simple edits because it will really help increase your audience and who's actually getting this information and who's learning what you're teaching them. The background of my video uh, experience, some people know this story, is I made a video early in my career and I didn't know how to look at the camera and engage in the camera and actually act because in that video, I was playing a character and we were doing a product demonstration. It was shown at a company meeting, Emily, and I literally wanted to just run out the back door and never come to work again because it was so embarrassing. It was the hardest project, marketing project I ever worked on. I was in my 20s and just was not comfortable at, at um, yeah. speaking to a camera. And, you know, I have have come further, uh, certainly in my expertise. I just took a filmmaking class, believe it or not, in January to just work on my my video game, just editing. And this was more for you know, the the personal side of my life a bit to just get better at my video editing school, skills because I like to make a lot of family vacation uh, videos, as you know. But I also want to become a better storyteller and for some content we're doing here on Demand Gen TV. But let me yeah. share with all of you guys something. So Emily is like a one-person uh, video production team. She She plans the interviews, she does the interviews, and she edits the videos. So we're going to go through that. Where today... I'm recording this content, I'm participating in the content, and I'm using some software that we'll get into. But Bridget Jamison, who is listening to this right now and editing this right now, is my producer uh, and our marketing team. And so we are a tag team uh, for the work that we do here. And it's it's just fascinating to me to watch you uh, put it all together. So let's start off with your workflow. Maybe you could talk a little bit about the kind of interviews you do and who you interview. Basically what I do is every I work at Access Hollywood as an associate video producer. Every single day I edit three videos. They range, usually they're two to four minutes long. Um, and it's basically like an article, but in video format. So I get stories from my lead or from my supervisors and they tell me like an example recently, Kim and Kanye, like all the stuff that's going on with them. I make a, I write the script. I send it out for approval. If it needs, if it has a lot of legal stuff, I get it approved by legal and then I come back, I track it. So tracking basically means I go, which is in my closet these days, <laughs> I go in my closet and I record myself talking and reading out my script. That usually takes, writing my script takes about an hour. Um, you have to first get information on the story, fact check it, make sure it's all correct, make sure it flows because you're reading it yourself. So you want to make sure you're talking in a way that's easy for you to read and to 
for someone to understand. You don't want to make it super like fancy, right? And then come back, you track it, you go, you record yourself. It's usually just on my iPhone or sometimes I'll use a lavalier mic, which is just a small little mic that you can plug into your phone to kind of get crisper audio. And then I go back into my chair and I start editing on Premiere Pro. Um, editing usually takes about two hours. Um, and that I usually, we have Getty. So we license Getty. So basically mm-hmm. all the pictures and videos I use are Getty. Sometimes I'll pull pictures or videos from Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, anything like that, or I'll make a graphic. All of our graphics are templates already. So I just kind of have to plug and put in the info. It's a lot harder when you have to make the graphic from scratch. Sometimes you do. Um, and then put it all together, put a little music in the end. And then I watch it one or two times and then I hit publish and upload it onto the YouTube and the website. And then we put it out on social. So I make three of those videos a day. Um, but sometimes about once or twice or every other week, I do an interview. Um, so then those are obviously longer. Um, interviews can last between five to 15 minutes, depending on who you're interviewing and kind of their level of notoriety. Yeah. I guess you could say, yeah. um, And so those interviews are different. That's a completely different setup. You basically talk to their publicist, to their rep, and then you set up a time, a place. And then there's either two ways. If it's a junket, and junket's a word that we use for like when a celebrity is promoting a project. And they have one day where they talk to all the press for like a new show that they're promoting. So when it's a junket, they the company that's putting this on or helping them promote usually records everything for you and they will put the template that they want. Like right now you're seeing, if you're watching this, you're seeing a DNG TV logo on your top corner and then my name with my title and a pretty background. So usually when it's a junket, they do that. I just have to, when I get it back, I will just cut from like me talking to them talking and then I'll throw in a little bit of the trailers and pictures. Um, but if not, if they're not recording it, then I have to do it myself, which takes more time. Um, so usually interviews, when I have to cut them, they take about an hour, hour and a half, depending how long it is. It's, it's, uh, it's quite a process for sure. Yeah, and that's why for, for you guys, like, as we said, like, you got to learn video if you haven't. You know, I said my, my most embarrassing moment in my career happened decades ago, and I, I never want to show up to work the next day. So I focused on knowing that, like, hey, we're going to have to produce video, all of us. Um, everything from setting up my lighting and the systems here to getting comfortable talking to a camera. I worked on these skills and I'm sure Emily, you worked on them as well. And the skills are not only interviewing skills and, and engaging with a lens because I can't see all of you, but I can look at the lens and bring a lot more energy. I like to look here so I can see Emily, which is on my screen, but then there's all the tools that we are using. And so as Emily was describing her workflow processes, she's adding the pretty pictures during the production process, the post-production process, not while she's doing the interview. But for those of you that are watching the YouTube channel, like I'm going to just take my little hand, go down to my keyboard. And if I hit number one, that's this scene. If I hit number two, that's this scene. And if I hit number three, that is this scene, which is with Emily. So Emily, me and us together, I have three different scenes set up in my software and I'm doing a good portion of the work to lessen the production uh, experience. And even though Bridget's going in and, and making whatever edits are needed to shorten the video or add other, uh, effects and the opening and the closing, uh, together as a team, we can really bang these videos out. And the only reason, Emily, that I don't do more on uh, a daily or weekly basis is primarily scheduling guests and just yeah. some of my other responsibilities. And this is what you do full time. So you've really gotten your workflow down 
to be as efficient as possible? Yeah. I mean, sometimes if I really don't get distracted, hunker down, I can get a video done in two hours, um, which is pretty fast. I think, I think something I learned because when I first got my, this job, I'm, it's almost a year that I've been at this current job. I was a perfectionist and I mean, I've been editing videos. I started editing maybe in high school, but it was very like basic, like not great. <laughs> and then college, I started getting a lot, a lot better and then I continued editing until now. And I was always a perfectionist because that's just kind of in my nature. And this job, it's like, I have to make three videos a day, whether I make those three videos in six hours, nine hours, 12 hours, like I have to get them done, period. So I think it really taught me how to prioritize my time and be really efficient with my time. And it also taught me like, not everyone's an editor. Not everyone has that editor eye. So sometimes, you know, like I was being so nitpicky with my transitions, with my effects or with like all these little things. And I'm like, you know what? It's taking me so much more time out of my day to like fade this transition, this, like no one's going to (laughs) notice these videos are two to four minutes and only a really keen editor is going to notice like these extra little effects or extra little things. And so I think that's what helped me pick up my speed of like knowing, like first you kind of, the more you do it, the more you get used to it. It's kind of muscle memory in a way. And then two, it's like, I'm not doing this to win an award. Like they're, they're, they're really nice and it's a good bonus, but I'm doing it because I love it. Yeah. And it, it doesn't, every single thing doesn't have to be perfect. I still want it to be good because it's my quality of work. And I want it to show a certain level of like greatness, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But you also, you don't want to self-sabotage yourself because at the end of the day, it's like you have a life. I don't want to work 12 hours every day to make sure every single video is perfect. When I'm putting out, I mean, I'm putting out at least 30 videos a week. That's incredible. So. That's a lot of, a lot of content and, and a lot of different guests. And it's probably fun to, you've had Ludacris on and you've had a lot of great uh, yeah. celebrities that you've talked to. Who, who's been one or two of your favorite uh, interviews? Um, Ludacris is really nice. I really like talking to Heidi Klum. Nice. Supermodel. And I really, I recently talked to, um, Shay Mitchell and Brenda Song from, they used to be on, Brenda Song used to be on the Disney channel when I was younger. And then Shay Mitchell was on a popular TV show, Pretty Little Liars for a long time. And they were very nice. And I just talked to them and they were so great. So yeah. Awesome. So let's, let's talk about the why of video for a moment. So clearly in Emily's business, she's producing videos for uh, entertainment purposes, people who follow celebrities and, you know, she's getting the scoops and doing interviews with them. Why should you guys do videos? Um, If you're in B2B marketing or even B2C, it doesn't really matter how large or small your business is. If you're a real estate professional or attorney, doctor, I've seen some really great chiropractic uh, videos from some top chiropractors who decided to make a YouTube channel and talk about body and that type of stuff, no doubt generating business for themselves. Most of our, our clients that we work with at BDO Digital are in B2B and B2C more considered purchase. But the reason that I started making um, videos is wanted to have people like you, people that have expertise to bring them on the program and have uh, other people inspired and learn something uh, you know, from that and you from an entertainment perspective. If someone, what advice would you have for like someone who maybe in their marketing department or in their business, they don't have video as part of their mix or even a podcast as, as part of, what do you, what, do, what would you recommend in terms of what it takes to kind of get started? All you need, don't overthink it. All you need is a camera. You don't even need lighting. 
Like, I mean, I think it's a plus to have like a really good microphone and lighting and stuff like that. And they are very inexpensive, good microphones and lights that you can use, but it really, all you need is a camera and you just have to be confident talking. It's kind of, I always like my friend recently, she's starting a business and she started doing video for it and she started filming her videos and she sounded really shy in the videos. And she's like, I don't get it. Like I was just talking normally. And the tip I gave her was you kind of want to amplify your personality when you're talking to yourself, like in the camera, because you want it just to sound a little bit extra confident. So it comes across a little bit better. But I mean, my advice would just be get a camera, start practicing, start talking because your message will go across 10 more, like a hundred more times. If you just post the video somewhere, like instead of just maybe reaching, let's say 50 people through your website or just like a company email or something. So many more people are bound to watch it when there's a video component to it, even though you're seeing the same exact thing because people are just more intrigued and it really will bring in revenue in the long run. It'll bring more subscribers. It can, if you get a big enough following, you can get money from ads. It's incredible. The power of a video, even if it's just you talking on screen, I think that's the first step. Just talk to your phone. You feel weird. It's okay. It's going to be awkward the first couple of times, just watch them back and delete them and then pick a good one, post it. And you're going to see how many people really resonate with what your message is. Don't think that your first video has to be the best thing that anyone's ever seen. It does not. Yeah. And I want to offer to you guys who are listening, like I'm here to help. Like I said, I really enjoy career coaching and advising. Mm -hmm. Certainly Emily has taught me a lot about content production. Um, but I went through this, this journey myself and it, from that very embarrassing moment to learning the tools and the skills. And even like I said, last month, Emily, I, I took a filmmaking class because, and what was nice is like the first project in the filming, filmmaking class, you were only allowed to use your iPhone for that point that you don't need all the Mm -hmm. fancy tools and equipment to make good content. It's about the content and less Mm -hmm. about, and this is an Emmy award winning producer uh, the show that you shot and won the Emmy for, was it shot on big fancy cameras or, or what kind of tools were used for it? That one was, yes. I won the Emmy for, so before I worked at Access Hollywood, I was a news producer for a local, a a local news station in Santa Barbara County and San Luis Obispo County. So I was a producer, so I wasn't editing video at that point. I was basically when you turn on your local six o'clock news, I was the producer. So I wrote every single story within an hour show I picked out all the video. I made all the graphics um, and kind of told the angle, like kind of, I put everything together and then made sure it went off without a hitch. And then our editors or directors or reporters, everybody kind of really put in the work to make sure it came out perfectly. So we did have very nice cameras and we did have a lot of reporters and a lot of help on that. And it was for um, the Conception Boat Fire, which was September 2019, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a while ago. Well, like I said, I want to help you guys. Let's let's go through like day in the life for the workflows. Emily kind of mapped through her workflow very quickly. Let's talk about it. Like I said, if you guys need advice on tools and technologies, I'm certainly a geek and I can tell you guys the lighting systems, the microphones. Um, I can tell you all the tools if you want. I can tell you the software that I'm using to create all the different scenes. Uh, Emily mentioned that she uses Adobe Premiere. That's the same platform we use for our post-production work. There are others like DaVinci Resolve and Final Cut and even iMovie. Uh, And there's even apps just right on your iPad or your iPhone that you can use. So don't get too hung up about the tools. The thing is start doing it if you're not doing it. Um, I would love to tell you that when we launched Demand Gen Radio 
or Dimension TV for that matter, we had this mapped out 12 month plan. No, we did not. We had a mission, we had goals, we knew what we wanted to do with the content, and then we dove in and kept facelifting the, the graphics as we needed to and just kept working on our workflows. So let's let's break down your and my journey to getting to this episode right here, and then let's contrast it to what you do. Because I wanna, I wanna encourage you guys to do videos interviewing your clients, maybe interviewing teammates, introducing products, services, you know, coming up with that mind map of content kind of outside the scope of today's uh, episode, but I want to just focus on the workflow so that you can see this doesn't take a lot to actually create and produce the content. So let me start with what my process was, and then you give me feedback on it. So first of all, we reached out to Emily and that, you know, for me, I was thinking like, who do I want to have as a guest? What topics haven't we covered? We haven't covered video production and so much of our, us are making content video. Well, who should I get? And I have a lot of people in my network that create videos, everything from the agencies that we work with that produce, you know, major productions. But I said, no, we got to make this approachable. But wow, I have an Emmy award winning producer named Emily, who does three videos a day. So uh, reached out to Emily and said, let's let's schedule time. So we did a 30 minute prep call. And I opened Microsoft OneNote, took some notes. And the focus was what's the theme? What's the topic? that Emily's gonna talk about, did a very quick outline. There's no script, as you can probably tell. It's natural, it's conversational. And we said, we're gonna talk about her background, we're gonna talk about producing videos, the why, and talk about our workflows, which is what we're talking about right now. And here we are doing it. So giving feedback to someone who does this even far more than I do, Emily, anything you'd recommend that I do differently or, or keep doing? Advice for me, advice for our audience today. I think my number one advice will definitely when you can, I think in my job, I don't really always have the luxury of talking to the person I'm interviewing before. It's always like I'm meeting them. I hope they're nice. I hope they talk. <laughs> so if you have the opportunity to have a meeting with them before you're talking to them, definitely do it because it really will make the interview go by smoother. And it will also make them more comfortable because not everybody's been on camera before it might be their first time so it's kind of nice to kind of just like feel out the vibe you know really understand what you're talking about because that's another it's really important and it can be very easy for you to talk for days and then when you're editing your video back you're like why did i go off on a tangent and now it's like a nightmare to edit so i think it's great that you really list down kind of like a roadmap of what where you want your interview to go um I also, something that's really been helpful for me is one, watching back all your interviews. I mean, my first interview that I did with Access Hollywood was pretty cringe. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it's just looking at my growth in the past like year. It's just like, wow. And then watching back the videos, you're like, oh, like maybe I shouldn't say, um, maybe I should like stand up a little bit taller and you kind of get tips or like, I noticed at first, like I, when I was kind of talking, I would look up a little bit more. Mm. And it's like, no, you want to always keep an eye level with the, like the camera. And then another thing too is really listen to what they're saying and don't be afraid to follow up or expand on their answers. Yeah. Um, it's really easy when you first start interviewing people, you're nervous. It's, you know, you're, you're kind of the person dictating the flow of the conversation. So a lot of the times it's easier to just like, they answered the question. I nodded next question. 
next question, next question. But then looking back at the interview, you're like, wow, they actually gave me a really good nugget that if I would have expanded, they would have gone in a different, it would have, you know, taken the interview a different direction, but they could have really given me more gold. And so just listen, actively listen to the person who's talking. I have the opposite problem, which I'm going to do right now. Hopefully not. Maybe I listen and I like to bolt onto your content. And I worry sometimes that I lean in too much to the conversation. I want to get Emily's thoughts. I want Emily to be the guest and, you know, the hero in today's episode. I would actually correct that and say the audience is the hero. We want to make sure that we're delivering content that's really important and relevant to you. But I'm what I'm saying is I want to hear more from Emily. And sometimes I want to hear from myself, but I love to lean in and make it a conversation. And I sometimes forget that when I'm doing these, I feel like you and I are just having a fireside chat. And I have to think like, oh, if I go on too long, I might lose the audience or make the episode too long. So I have just the exact opposite problem. And I don't like to exhaust the guest by going, Emily, what's this? And what's this? And how'd you do this? And it's like question after question after question. It's exhausting to the guest. And you can see them kind of get tired after a little while. Yeah, but I think you do a good job too of like talking, but giving the guest space to reply. Mm. you're not just talking the talk and then you're like, I can't even get a word in. I think that's key too. I think it's okay to talk maybe more than your guests, as long as you pause and you give them a space to chime in when they feel like there's room for them to chime in. Mm -hmm. And I think you do that. You do give them a space and I don't think you're talking too much. (laughs) I'm always trying to up my game, always trying to get better. And uh, I remember there was one comment, by the way, if you guys are watching the episode, I'm going to ask, I'm going to beg. Drop a comment in YouTube and give us your thoughts. I would love to hear from you, for example, what you learned from today, what you took away, an idea or a thought or a question that you have. And we will actually answer every question that is posted. We get very little engagement, Emily, in our YouTube uh, episodes. And it's something that I love to connect with the audience. And I love when those of you on LinkedIn send me notes. And four of you did this week, which was awesome saying, Hey, Dave, just want to let you know I'm tuning in. Thank you for doing the episodes. It means so much to me because even though Emily and I are having a great time sharing content with you, we want to know that it matters. We want to know that we're making an impact. So for me, that shows up not as necessarily like, you know, likes and stuff like that. That's not that kind of format in the podcast. You have no idea uh, who's listening, even though you can look at your metrics and see thousands of people a month they're listening, but I love the engagement. Do you guys have any forms of engagement with your social media content? We do usually. So for like all of our videos go up on YouTube, we never really respond to the comments only because we are kind of, we are a news provider. So we don't really want to comment on like the YouTube stuff because we don't want to add fuel to the fire. We're kind of just giving you the content. We're a news site, even though it's entertainment news, but we would respond to like Instagram comments and stuff. I think that's where we engage the most or like TikTok comments, because those typically are, you got a different audience on each platform. So Instagram and TikTok are mainly more like younger people who are just more fun and they'll like to just like have like more funny comments, but people on YouTube, at least our YouTube tend to be a little bit sassier or trying to like add fuel to the fire. So we tend to stay away from commenting on YouTube. Um, but I do think what you mentioned is I think if you're going to make videos, it's important that you really talk to your audience and and encourage them to like comment, like subscribe, do all that stuff because people like to feel when they're watching the videos, like their voice matters because it does. It really does. At the end of the day, the audience really is the boss because if you're, if the audience is resonating to one thing, one topic more than another, that tells us 
like, Hey, maybe we should expand on this. Maybe we should do, make this a series because our audience really likes that. So I think it's important that one, as you're making your videos, you talk to the camera and you tell your audience like, Hey, comment below. If you like what I'm saying or comment below, if you have questions, if you have suggestions and then respond because you have control, the audience has control. And I think sometimes people are shy, but then once you give them a shout out the next video, they're like, Oh my God, they like actually got it. And they, they like, they heard. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to keep commenting. And then that also tells the viewer or the audience like, wow, they really are listening. Maybe I shouldn't be so shy and I should write something. Yeah. I, I encourage, um, people as I did today to engage with me because I like to teach and I like to inspire. So I'm looking for someone to say, Hey, Hey Dave, what software do you use for doing your recording? Because you're changing all the scenes and that looks pretty cool. What microphone do you use? What should I use? You said you don't need anything more than a phone. That's true. But you also said something that I'll come back to. You said you record in the closet and it's not cause she's shy or she's hiding. It is acoustically the best place in your house to record. I was, I was a DJ back in the day and, and Emily's clearly learned this uh, from her work, but the clothes absorbs all the reverberation and echoes that's happening there. So it's a great place to record. If you listen to her audio, you're going to hear a different sound because of the room that she's in versus mine, which is, uh, you're using the microphone built into your computer. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm using a three or $400 microphone from sure. Now they have cheaper microphones now that I can tell you guys about if you ask questions, but it doesn't cost a lot. Uh, and even the podcasting platforms are like $10 a month. So yeah. if you want to start a podcast, if you want to get some equipment, you know, now two people that you can go to, to get your game yeah. going. And we are here to help you. We just need to know you're out there so we can. Yeah. Lean and in a, a little, little note off that too. I think if you're going to start podcasting or anything like that, another tip is go to your closet, especially if it's a podcast, I don't want to know. <laughs> or, um, Put a carpet wherever you're talking, lay down a carpet or two, because basically this, you don't want to record in an empty room or like a bathroom because there's nothing. The sound will just bounce off the walls kind of, and you want to kill the sound. Like you want to stop it from bouncing. So, um, carpets do that. Clothes do that. Um, recording studios will have like foam or sometimes they'll put like egg cartons on the walls. Um, so just do anything like a carpet or clothes on the floor to kind of flatten the audio. Yeah. That's another good thing. Like right now there's a carpet underneath me. Yeah. To kind of help Which would audio. definitely help. So I can hear a little bit more acoustic echo. Also part of that is from my microphone. One of the things with this mic is, is watch you guys for those. Well, those of you sing, but if you're listening, you'll even have a greater effect. I'm going to move my voice closer to the microphone and further away. And you notice you're not hearing much of a difference in the volume sound. It stays whether I'm here or here. And that's because this mic has a compressor and decompressor that's keeping the audio at a level. And look, if you're doing a podcast and you have the honor of being in someone's ear, you do want to sound as good as you can because it's more pleasurable and enjoyable uh, for them to do so. So you don't have to invest in this to get started. As Emily said, the content is more important. But as you want to take your game to the next level, we're certainly here to help you on tools uh, and what to do. What's um, with your interviews? You're interviewing celebrities. A lot of the folks hopefully today will get inspired on starting a podcast or starting a YouTube channel or just doing something in this form of content. Uh, how do you prepare for an interview? What are you, what's your process for thinking? You know, you and I came up with a topic that relates to our audience and you're, you know, reporting on the news and doing these interviews. So how do you approach the content flow? Well, we, it's similar to how we prep for this. So we were really talking about why or what's the main thing that we want people to get 
out of our conversation today, I kind of get the same thing. Um, for us, it's a little bit more, I don't want to use the word clickbaity, but for lack of better words, clickbaity. So like whenever, like for instance, like ludicrous or yeah, I'll use ludicrous as an example. I was talking to him and I was like, what's one thing that I know for sure I want to ask him to get out of the interview that will help people click on this video. And I knew I either had to ask him a question about his music because he hasn't released a lot of music in a while or in a really long time, actually, or two, something about Paul Walker and Fast and Furious or Paul Walker's daughter or something like that. So going in, I knew these are the two things I need to ask, or at least one of these questions, because that'll make a good headline. So people will click because if you don't have a good headline, they're not even going to click the video to hear what they're promoting. Um, so that's my first thing. I look at the, whoever I'm interviewing, I kind of slightly stalk them <laughs> on Instagram, see what news articles have been written, written about them, they're dating anyone. And then I also usually are promoting something and usually it's a movie or a show. So I will watch the show. Um, most of the time they'll send me a screener, which is like an advanced version of whatever they're promoting to watch. And then I'll ask, I usually split my questions in half. So like in my interviews, 10 minutes, I try to have a question a minute about. So then I'll have five questions only about the show or whatever they're promoting and then five questions about their personal life or anything else. And then, um, and yeah, I really try to become like an expert of that person, even at least for like, if I had known a week before that I'm interviewing Ludacris, I try to I'll like go follow him. I'll really politely stalk them to make sure I really know. Cause you don't want to also feel like you don't want to ask them the same questions and you don't want them to feel like you don't know anything about them. Yeah. And we're just kind of just, they're like, okay, like, why are we talking? You know, you want to be, you want it to always be a conversation. You never want it to feel forced. On that point, maybe one of the last points we'll make today is do not send the questions in advance to yeah. your audience. Yeah. Emily and I talked about that ahead of time. I was comparing notes. I'm like, you do that? Do I, I don't do that. Um, and I want to make sure I was not underpreparing. But it doesn't feel natural if they know all the questions that you're going to ask. They've already rehearsed the answers. And it just takes away from the authenticity of the interview or of the content. And people can hear that um, yeah. very, very easily. And they will lose interest. All right. So we got one action item for you guys today that are listening. Maybe two action items. One is let us know if this is a new channel for you, new content for you, uh, and you're inspired and you're going to go make some. And then also give us some feedback. Was the episode too long? Was it too short? Were there things that you wish that we covered? Maybe we'll come back and do a follow up uh, yeah. episode together. Emily, as we complete this interview, I would love your feedback. Anything I should do differently? I give me something. Great. No, honestly. I don't know. I think you did a good job. I think it was good. We did too nice. Yeah, no, you did great. This is awesome. I had a lot of fun. And it went by quick. It does. That's another thing. It's 36 minutes and 20 seconds since we started the episode. I don't know if this is less than that once we edit and that type of stuff. But I do try to go around 30 or 40 minutes. So you guys can let me know. Are we going too short, too long? What's the ideal length for you? Yeah. Back during commute days, I tried to make them a little bit longer to like fill the person's average commute. But I've also worked on making the content just shorter and having the audience want more from the channel. All right. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining me. Stick around. I'm going to come right back to you, but I'm going to say farewell. Did you have a good time? Oh, I had a blast. It was so fast. We could, I, we could honestly talk about stuff like this for hours. So this was fun. I really enjoyed stopping uh, by. And if you guys honestly leave comments below, leave us suggestions or tips, questions, and I will also hop in there and answer some questions. So. Emily Navarro, E-M-E-L-Y Navarro, N-A-V-A-R-R-O. I'm David Lewis. Feel free to reach out to us on LinkedIn. 
We do want to help you guys take your content game to the next level. That is what we are here for, to help you become better marketers, better salespeople, and audio and video content is a great way to connect with your audience and engage. How many of you are watching TikTok these days? A lot, or Instagram, or Facebook, or whatever social media. Your audiences are there too, and so we hope we inspired you to maybe try a new channel or just take your game to the next level. Love to hear from you guys. Said that a few times. Thanks for tuning into this episode. We will catch you guys on the next one. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.